What is up, everyone? You are once again welcomed to another episode of the Humanities Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Today, it's episode 77, and I'm joined by a man who looks like he's 77 years old. <laughs> okay, it's uh, Andy Chapman from Northern Ireland. He runs an affiliate gym with Team Rhino. He's a purple belt under Andy Ryan, one of the forefronts of Irish Jiu-Jitsu. Absolute beast of a man who will be on the podcast soon, by the way. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And myself and Andy had a really good talk about our training modalities, the way we train, a lot of the moves we prefer. We also talked about our frustrations with this whole lockdown shit, the coronavirus, how lots of people are being really stupid and how they, you know, react and handle it, this all, and uh, why the government doesn't care about us. But less, less negativity there. You know, guys, it was a really good episode, in my opinion. And, you know, Andy also teased his new podcast with Kieran Broen at Rhino Rants. I will leave the link to this in the description below. So if you want to check out Andy's podcast with longtime friend of the podcast, Kieran Broen, who we just had on, feel free to click the link, guys. And with that said, let's get into the episode. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Men's Jitsu Podcast. I'm joined by a very handsome man. No, but that's very, uh, you know, touch and go. People are, it's debatable. I actually put up a secret poll. I'm not going to tell you where, saying, is Andy handsome? And uh, I know 50, it was a 51-49 split. It was very close. But uh, Andy Chapman, what is up, Andy? How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. I need to say thank you straight away because I'll tell you why. Uh, my two kids are running wild around the house. And when I said that I was going to be coming on a podcast, I said I needed some peace and quiet. So I came up to my mum's house for lunch. And I've been here now for three hours and there's not a kid in sight. So thank you so much, man. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, that's that's why I do podcasting, so people can uh, get some peace and quiet. Instead of having a kid moan at you, you can have me bitch moan and complain at you. So, well, because I have the mental maturity of a child, so whatever. <laughs> uh, anytime, man. Now, dude, hey, guys, for those of you who don't know Andy, he's a really good purple belt under Andy Ryan of, t- of Team Rhino fame, one of the fucking uh, legends of Irish jiu-jitsu, as it were. Hey, guys, I'm always looking at Andy's Instagram. He's very, uh, very smart, well-learned man, a very funny fucker as well. So, Andy, how did you get into jiu-jitsu anyway? Did you train anything else before starting it? Like, what's the deal? played rugby my whole life. So whenever I went through school, I played rugby. And then I, I kept up rugby after I left school. Uh, moved to New Zealand, played rugby over in New Zealand for three years. But... Uh, Came home uh, about 10 years ago, and in my first rugby match back home, I, I tore my ACL. So uh, I was out of doing anything for a year. Uh, I started powerlifting and stuff after I got back into it. Then about five, six years ago, um, I got into and I've just been absolutely obsessed in it ever since. Uh, my brother-in-law is Jason McCabe. So he's the head coach at uh, Team Evolve in Derry, which is a Rhino affiliate, uh, Team Rhino Derry. Um, he could sort of see that I was getting a wee bit bored in my training, and he says, "Look, why don't you try jiu-jitsu? So, like, I did a few privates with him. First time I went in, he put me in a rear naked choke. I was fucking hooked. I was hooked ever since. <laughs> Literally, you're hooked because you know double hooks and shit. <laughs> uh, guys, that's. I was one of these people that thought, "Ah, man, that 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 shit doesn't even work." Like, and I thought, "Oh, I did a wee bit of strength training that, uh, oh, I'd be able to get out of stuff like that." And it was like, just blew my mind the first time. And I was like, after that, the first private that I had with Jason, I went to a Nogi class on the Wednesday night after that uh, at Evolve and Derry. 
And I remember like we were doing some rounds and I was last up during the rounds and coming into the last round, I looked over to the corner and there was a wee 15 year old uh, and I didn't know who it was at the time. It later transpired that he was like a Irish amateur boxing champion, already had an MMA record and a very good grapple. But I didn't know this. So I went over to him for a wee lazy round and he fucked me up. He like got me in head and arm and he an arm choke for me. And I remember driving home that night saying, I need to fucking learn this. I need to learn this sport. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's how you immediately sell someone on jiu-jitsu, just get them beaten up by 15-year-olds. You know, that's how you're like, well, fuck me. Maybe I, sh- maybe I should let you do this. But at least you weren't on the, on the bright side. At least you weren't one of those people like, man, uh, I just hit you in the balls or gouge you in the eye. Yeah. Or just slam you. Yeah. Or I, I'd stand up. <laughs> at least you weren't one of those people. <laughs> or were you? I like yeah, it does. The, the sport like humbles you quite fast, and uh, it definitely weeds out people very fast as well. But usually, it weeds out uh, the wrong type of people, and you're left with a really good community that bring each other. And that's, that's what I love about it. Hundred mm, percent, man. Because like, man, in the first like, I started with like thirty people in my fucking group about four years ago, nearly. It was I started like March two thousand seventeen. It's been nearly four years, but there was thirty people that started with us. Only fucking two of us are still training and got our blue belts. Only fucking two out of 30. Jesus fucking Christ, like. Yeah, what you need to do now is, like, you need to get your purple belt, man, because blue belt's the famous belt where people start dropping out, like, so you need to hang on in there. <laughs> well, man, like, uh, I've been hanging on. I've been a blue belt nearly two years. I'm like, well, uh, it's no bearing on me when I get my purple belts. Uh, it's not up to me. Could be a blue belt trainer two weeks or two years or two decades maybe i'll be one of those fuckers who's just like uh if you go along with the way these restrictions are going probably will be a couple of decades <laughs> i glad speaking of these restrictions jesus christ like we, we we talked for half an hour before the episode about how stupid all this shit is man uh if you want to just give the people a, a too long didn't read sort of a description of this of the stupidity here for anyone who doesn't know Say they yeah. say say they fucked off to a magical another land where they have freedom. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's really hard too because you like you you always have to be empathetic to people as well because everybody's reality is different, like and how they see their truth around the virus. So like, but like they say it's a health pandemic, but like everything that seems to be like put on people is going against the meaning of what health should be, and that's concerning for me. Like I, all I want to do is like I want to be healthy. But like training is part of my health, it's part of my mental health as well. Mm. And for some people, it's part of their jobs, so their livelihood has been completely fucked. And you know, yeah. you know, if you just if you try lift some weight, like even those people, some people in America and some people in like uh, fucking over in the UK were being criminalized for opening up their gyms. Like this one fucking dude got arrested a bit ago, and he was getting harassed by the police the whole time because he because he opened up his gym and let people lift weights. How dare he! And I, I watched this video on Facebook last week and I, it was like, there was like people training in a gym and it was nighttime and whatever happened, the police busted the gym and people were running. I don't know if you've seen the video, like people were running out, but like there was policemen with fucking batons in their hand and they were like whacking people with the batons and like you just watch that video thinking there's there's more to this because this is not, this is not related to a pandemic when you see people beat people up who are running out of a gym. It just seems weird. Now, like, that's that's the sort of thing you do when you bust a drug den. You go in, you beat the living shit out of everyone in there. Now, when you bust a jiu-jitsu session or a weightlifting session, like, 
are, are we suddenly worse than drug dealers at the, or drug fucking manufacturers? Like, what the fuck? Uh, and you have to sorry for the gym owners as well that, that are doing this on the QT, on the quiet, because, like, they've went through every process of trying to, like, get information across that gyms are safe places to train, that, like, transmission rates are low in gyms. Like, they're doing all the proper statistical uh, and, and that's how, like, decisions should be made. It should be made on stats. And, like, they've already provided all this stuff, yet still all the gyms are locked down and not allowed to open. So, like, I'm not, I'm not like, saying that it's the right thing to do to break the law, but you really have some sort of sympathy for the people that are, you know, trying to let people exercise for their mental health and stuff as well on the quiet. Mm. Now, man, like, I don't know if, like, uh, if you saw that thing uh, that the BBC put up that, like, uh, that there's talks of gyms being opened up because of mental health. I wouldn't hold my fucking breath to that. Uh, like, man, you know what they say? You could hope into one head and shit in another and water fill up sooner. You know, I wouldn't hold my breath on the gyms opening up soon. You know, I'm just very yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> I'm probably the same as you that way. I would be quite pessimistic. I think that, uh, I think that the, in the north here, they're talking about some sort of measures being lifted on the 5th of March. But I can't see gyms being being open on the 5th of March and certainly not BGJ clubs because, uh, like, if you, if you went through all the different businesses and how they run and stuff, you would, you would imagine that grappling would be down near the bottom of the of the reintroduction to normal list when it comes to opening up again. You would think anyway. Mm. Like that's you know it's because man I, I don't know if you saw like one of my memes uh, by a, a month ago where I made this uh, I took like Leo Varadkar's tweet and said oh guys you all you you all have been saying that we don't understand the struggle that martial arts gyms are going through right now but I'm in a keto black belt so I understand completely. Like man, I put that up as a joke. And so many people thought it was real that it was actually one of Leo's stupid tweets because he's so fucking uh, out of touch. And that uh, he, he, you know, it's uh, lots of people thought he did say that that it was real. I'm like, fuck it, hell. If that's not like, I don't really think it's a testament uh, that people would believe shit. I think it's a testament of how retarded the situation is that that doesn't surprise or raise any eyebrows because you know it's such a shitty, stupid situation that that just registers the normal. It's like, oh yeah, that's something he would say. Because the they thing, don't understand, they don't. The thing about it is, like, if you look uh, at like some of the decisions that are being made and some of the things that are being said on TV now, like, if we had stepped back three years and said this is going to be happening in three years' time, we wouldn't have been dumbed down to the extent that we were saying we'd be saying well, that's bullshit. It'll never come to that. But now, like, we're so far into this thing that these sort of things that you're talking about do appear normal. And, like, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Leo will come out with some bullshit like that. But that's where we're at. Like, that's where we're at now. It seems as if there's no common sense anymore in the decision-making. There's no common sense in the news. All there is is, like, deaths. This is how many today. It's great. But we're mm. taking it. We're taking it. Like, I seem to be entrenched in it. And I, what I also see is that there's, like... Um, masses of people that know that that something's up but do you know what they're like getting paid they sit in their homes scratching their arses watching netflix they're getting money put into their bank account every month whether it's Bruno or grants or whatever and they're like fuck this man my life was shit before march last year i'm going to ride this out for as long as i can and it's it seems as if because of that attitude with a lot of people it's going to be a time before we get out of this my uh, man it's just fucking you know, man, I get I can guarantee you, I put this thing up on Instagram there. I put like a poll to see what the, the general consensus was. I'm like, man, 
if you guys, do you guys think if like Netflix and shit shut down, like all those streaming services, that this lockdown will be over like that because people don't have their bread and circuses? Like, man, it's the same reason why rugby is allowed to be still be played. That that whole fucking uh, was it the Six Nations there? Like, I'm not big into rugby. Like, the, the whole situation is retarded. They're all social distancing for the fucking uh, national anthem. Imagine that made the the shoulder to shoulder part of the anthem very uh, very awkward. And then they're allowed fucking play and scrum each other like nothing. That was just fucking stupidity on a mass scale. Like, they're being tested. They're in each other's bubbles and shit. So why aren't they allowed to just fucking be close to each other for that two minutes that it takes to sing this fucking song? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sorry to start ranting. I see what you're saying there. Like, that ties in completely with what I was just saying. So if we went back to three years ago and we watched the, the start of the rugby match, and like we were talking to our old self three years ago, and he's saying, why, why are they standing like two meters apart? Oh, it's because there's a deadly virus and they don't want to spread the virus. And then Anthony's finished and it goes into the first scrum, 16 men are like fucking fillers grills. And the person, is this all about them? Because like two minutes, we keep apart because of the virus. But now we're scrumming down for the first scrum of the match. Like nothing makes sense. But we've been dumbed down so much that we just accept this. Because, mm. man, like I say, that was sort of like a, a here's the thing, like a sort of a, a caveat to make to the listeners. Like you already know this. I don't believe that this is some grand, that their own thing is a grand conspiracy, that it's some sort of way to take over the world or to do the Great Reset. I don't believe that. I, I, you know, I know why people believe it, but I'm not a big fan of that that line of thinking. I'm, I'm not convinced, but I do think it's fucking ineptitude that has led us here. Stupidity, fucking out of touch leadership. <coughs> Leo, <coughs> no, no, not to not to name any names, but I can guarantee, goddamn, to you that if fucking professional sporting wasn't allowed to continue, like if the UFC was, I love the UFC. If you're not allowed, if the UFC wasn't allowed to continue, should they have to fucking they have to get Fight Island to fucking even be allowed to tr- fucking fight? And all that shit, professional sports, rugby, and all that fucking shit. If that wasn't allowed to go on, and all the streaming services shut down, this fucking lockdown be over. Cause man, people wouldn't have distractions, so they 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 fucking storm the storm the government buildings and kill everyone in there, cause they'd be fucking driven crazy, cause they've nothing to do. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, and I, what you were saying, I kind of go along with that. I can agree, or I can understand why people are starting to draw. Uh, parallels with what's happening now and conspiracy theories and stuff like that but from a personal point of view and that's what I was saying before we before we went live uh, I just want to fucking work man. I just want to provide for my children and I feel yeah. as if my job if I run a, a BJJ club I feel as if the service that I provide makes positive change in my community and I don't like I want to start doing that again because I feel that it's important yeah like you provide people how, how to defend themselves if they ever get into a fucking scrap. You have a fucking competitive environment so people want to compete. So they can potentially make a career of professional competitions in jiu-jitsu. And, you know, fitness. You make people fitness. Community. You make everyone part of a better community and, like, a good... I'm putting this in a very shitty way. You know, foster a good environment so people have friends. You want to make friends jiu-jitsu. It's all good. You know, I don't really think there's any downsides besides a crippling injury. But uh, let's not talk about that. And then also, like, as everything you said is right, but, like, and if we look at it in terms of what we're supposed to be doing now as a society uh, for health, um, gyms and jiu-jitsu gyms and MMA gyms also provide a platform for making people have better physical and mental health. Because, yeah. you know, like, whenever you're feeling shitty, if you go to the gym, even if you go to the jiu-jitsu gym, 
fucking weightlifting gym, or even if you just swing a fucking kettlebell and do a few push-ups at home, you'll feel better afterwards. You know, because you're fucking... What's the fucking thing in your brain, the chemicals? Is it like dopamine or endorphins and shit? You know, you, your fucking brain chemistry gets better because you've you fucking moved and exercised, and, you know, you feel better then. I'm not saying it's the fucking yeah. cure for everything, but, you know, you'll feel better when you work out, do a little exercise, and move a little. Who to thunk? Yeah. Of course, I like, but... So, like, I can see the other side of the argument as well. Like, I can see somebody watching this saying, but there's a pandemic, people are dying, and I understand that argument, and that's okay, I, I get that. But, mm. like, we're in the stage now where we've been in this for a year, or almost a year. That's a year that, that nobody's getting back in their lives again. Um, and we're also in a stage where all the vulnerable people um, who are, are said to be extra vulnerable to this virus have been vaccinated, they've been immunized against it. So we're now at a stage where either two things are going to happen here, one of two things. The vaccine is going to work. And if the vaccine works, we need to get back to normal now. Or the vaccine's not going to work. And if the vaccine doesn't work, we can't stay locked down for more years because we're not immortal and we're not going to get immortality at the end of this. So we need to start making decisions. Are we going to risk life? Or are we going to not live for longer and longer and longer? And the hope mm. that we're going to get it. This happen. So like... Argument is part of this because we should be looking, to, um, and we should be looking to try and get on with things. But and, and we've tried to shut everything down now, and it's been going on for a year. We're at the stage now that the vaccine's out there. We're at a crossroads, and we need to decide what we're doing. Like we need, and in my view, we need to get open now, and we need to get things back to some sort of normality again before, uh, before the consequences of the lockdowns far outweigh. Uh, the benefits of doing it. It's almost as if you're burning down a full house. Mm. Oh, man, it's fucking... Like, man, here's one thing. I think you could have been handled way better. Here's the thing. I think you should have the option. If you want to lock yourself down and, you know, you want to fucking, you know, stay away from everyone and you want to quarantine yourself, you know, the government can sort you with some shit or something. I know, you know, people could cheese it and say, oh, fuck this, I'll just get free money and not even lock down. But, you know... It's just a hypothetical, you know, if you want to do all that shit, you want to be safe, stay safe, you know, in fucking cocoon and shit. I hate this, hate the fucking terminology these people are using. You should be allowed to choose if you want to do that. You choose yeah. if you want to live in fear. You choose if you want to live in fear and be an ideologue, but be great, go crazy. And you can choose if you want to live your life and fucking support yeah. your business and feed your family. You choose that. If you want, do what you want. I completely agree with that. I actually posted about that something along those lines on my Facebook yesterday. It's like, if, as you say, like subsidize people that are living in fear, or whatever, but like let the people who want to get on with their lives get on with their lives again. And listen, it's a one man situation for those other people because if we all die of the virus, then we can say we can do so. Yeah. Like if we all go about our lives and we all catch the road and we all die, like, ha, that just reinforces their opinion. They're like, ha. Those guys are fucking idiots. I was right. They're all dead. Fuck them anyway. That proves them but right. Do you, you want to know what? I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. Same here, man. Like, if I go to a jiu-jitsu gym and I catch drona and I fucking die, so be it. I mean, like, you know, I'm not so fickle. Like, I don't want to live in fear. Like, this isn't even living. This is existing, in my opinion. There's a big difference. There's a fine line. Living is like enjoying yourself, you know, go going through the motions. Like, you know experiencing shit and you know learning like, obviously there's bad shit you learn from learn from your mistakes and shit but there's fucking 
potential for great shit. But this, you're just sitting on your holding, fuck all. This isn't living, it's existing. And if you call this a life, I sure should feel fucking sorry for you. That's my opinion. Yeah. If you follow the news narrative as well, like all we're hearing now is, oh, there's a new variant. The variant might be able to breach the vaccine. So like, what do we do then? Do we just stay at home forever and vaccinate against the next variant? And then the next one comes out, so we need another vaccine. So what, what, where's the end goal in what's happening? Because variants are always going to happen. It's like, I'm not a fucking virologist, but I know that. So like, man, there's mutations and shit that occur. It could just fucking magic itself up. It just fucking happens. So, you know, and, uh, like, man, they could spend all the fucking time sorting the vaccine for one of them. And then they're, oh, no, there's a deadly new strain. Let's, uh, uh, we'll keep working on this vaccine, but, uh, fuck it. Who cares? You know, it's, it's, this fucking thing is ridiculous and exhausting. But, man, forget what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, it mustn't have been important then. Tell me before the before uh, before we come on that you're getting big Andy Ryan on. Like ask Andy Ryan what we should do. Like tell Andy Ryan that we Andy up in the north wants to Jim, can he get permission to do it as soon as possible, please? <laughs> I will will you? <laughs> oh, man, I've only met Andy the one time. I only met him in passing. I'm fucking sick and I didn't get to train with him before. Like I was I always went around to other gyms and shit the whole time before the Rona. Even before, like a week before the shit went down, I was in Dublin at fucking two other gyms having good crack. I'm like, yeah, man, this is fucking sick. No, I, was at, I think I was at three other gyms that fucking, that time. That's yeah. never going to happen now. If you went to three other gyms and they all found out about it, there'd be panic modes. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. You came to our, all our gyms at the one time. We all have to fucking shut down for like two weeks to make sure everyone doesn't fucking die or some fucking shit. Everyone's really paro. Yeah, yeah, that sort of makes you realize like things that happened a couple of years ago, like jujitsu related, seem so alien now, as if they'll never happen again. Like uh, even competitions and stuff like that. Like, the, the idea of uh, hundreds of people coming into one big room and strangling each other, hugging each other, and strangling each other seems so alien now. Like you always, you you, you get to the stage where you're thinking, you're wondering, will we ever get back to this again? Will, will there ever be competitions again? But I'm sure, I'm sure there will be, and it happen. But it seems so mm. alien that we're living in now. Yeah, yeah, Andy, did you, you see recently there, the East Coast guys that are over in Brazil, there's a fucking competition there. I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man, I'm so fucking jealous. Like, man, I don't know about you. Say, yeah, uh... Fanatics, do you, are you on Facebook page, BJJ Fanatics? Yeah. Well, like, constantly, every day there, for the last few weeks, there's competitions happening. People seem to be getting stripes on their belts, there's promotions. Everything seems to be normal there, man. Yeah, man, and Florida, man, one of my boys over in Florida, they're just training away, no bother. Man, they're governor in Florida, some man. <laughs> Quick aside, guys, I saw this thing on uh, fucking Instagram. It's like a transcript of um, your man, uh, fucking, what's his name? I think his name is Ron DeSanti or something. He's the governor of Florida. He was on a conference call with, like, fucking Joe Biden talking about some of the fucking guidelines and stuff, and they got into an argument about the vaccines and shit and the legitimacy of it, and, like, um... Your man was like, well, Joe, listen here. You guys are, like, benefiting from all this bullshit. And your man Joe's like, oh, call me Mr. President or President Biden. He's like, nah, I won't. Go fuck yourself. There's, like, a transcript of that. I'm like, I love this guy already. And the fact that uh, they're allowed to train in his states. So I'm like, ah, if I win the lotto, I might fuck off to Florida for a few years. That'd be cool. <laughs> what, what about you, Andy? Or maybe uh, Brazil or Poland, because they're allowed to train. Where would you go? Uh, like, say... Yeah, I lived in New Zealand, I was saying, for three years, and I keep in touch with a lot of the jiu-jitsu heads and stuff over there. Um, 
I'm on the fucking, they're just training as normal. They're sending me videos of the rules every day and stuff. And I, I've pestered my wife for years now to move to New Zealand, but she hasn't uh, taken the boot yet, but I'm going to keep at her. I'm going to keep showing her all the nice photographs. <laughs> Why don't you show her this podcast? <laughs> no, man, she's, uh, she's a homebird. Like, we can't do this for much longer. Mm-hmm. Like, man, in a... Every other day, I get fucking annoyed at this country. I look outside, it's fucking piss and rain. Everyone's a fucking idiot, a sheep living in fear. I'm like, for fuck's sake, I hate this fucking country. Fucking, it was piss and rain and shit just there. And you could hear in my studio the fucking, the rain whacking off the ceiling. I'm like, for fuck's sake. God damn it. Yeah. Man, to get back, to get back on track to the jiu-jitsu shit, man. <laughs> man, fuck me. And um, what'd you say? What would you say you struggled with most in like your early days of training? Was there any move or concept that wasn't sinking in for you? Oh, but I, I, I competed late featherweight, so I sat around 64, 65 kgs. Like and like to be honest, I had like early days, anybody that's small in jiu-jitsu probably has the same the same thing where like uh people are able to put pressure on you and it's hard to so like in my early days I was caught under people's minds, caught under people's side controls, uh, and I struggled a lot with that. But uh that's just it's trial and error, isn't it? And it's figuring out wee ways uh, that, that work for you because sometimes when techniques are being taught in class, um, the technique will suit certain body types and, and some techniques will suit your body type. So it's like uh, the beauty of jiu-jitsu is that it's got a game for everybody and everybody uh, and every disability that somebody may have, it's got a, it's got a game that is you. So it's getting uh, into your head that you have to get that game. Has you conceptual approach to jiu-jitsu? Is that, you had him on recently, didn't you? Mm. Oh yeah, I had Broen on just there. Oh guys, quick aside, Kieran Broen and Andy here have their own podcast, The Rhino Rants. It'll be in the description there. Shameless plug. So if you want to check that out, <laughs> shameless, shameless plug. The reason why I mentioned Kieran was that uh, Kieran's got his new thing going now, where he mm. starts to look at. Uh, conceptual approaches to jiu-jitsu um and i i actually love that man my, my whole game is is uh focused around concepts and that's how i learned it early on from the start i got into jiu-jitsu when i was 35 years old so i started really late uh, and what i wanted to do as a late starter is i wanted to try and fast track how much i could learn in the shortest space of time as possible so concepts is the way to do that if you learn a, a concept around a certain part of the game It'll usually cover 20 or 30 different techniques all in the one go. So, like, what, what, for example, if you're looking to sweep somebody, um, if you can think about the concepts of like breaking down their, their posture, removing their ability to post, and sticking a wage in for them to go over, like, if you start thinking about somebody's above you and you're trying to get them on their back, and you start thinking about concepts in your head, you're going to like develop ways of putting them on their back a lot faster. So, for me, a conceptual approach to learning was the way that I started to get better a wee bit faster and, and, and started to progress. So like, uh, techniques are really important. There's no point in having a concept if you don't know how to finish a technique. But mm-hmm. I've been in more towards like, approaching jiu-jitsu from a conceptual point of view. Mm. Now, that makes a lot of sense, man. And we're especially lucky because Broen is making that new platform, Learn Jiu-Jitsu, which will be up soon. So it'll help so many fucking people fast-track their success. Not, not. This isn't a sponsorship plug, by the way, guys. So if I'm using fruity language, it's just uh, 
it's not a sponsorship plug, so shut up. <laughs> Ahmed, one thing I'm curious about. Stuff that again. is posted. Sorry, uh, sorry, the posted so far is brilliant too. Like it's uh, like you can break it down really easy, and I think that 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 sort of content's really good for somebody who's just starting out as well. Because jiu-jitsu is so frustrating at the start, so frustrating. Um, and it's a way it's a way to make you start thinking about things differently right from the start. And I, I, think, I think it's fantastic. I I train a lot with a, like a purple belt from Limavati, Noah Bowman, and he, he doesn't learn techniques at all. He's got concepts and he's got he plays a very positional game where he'll try and use a conceptual approach to, to put you in double positions for him. Um, and he's an absolute killer, man. Hmm. I mean, uh, like I was saying, if there's that's it. Uh, oh yeah, there's one thing I'm curious about each of my guests that I get on. What was the first sort of seminar that you attended? Do you remember who who was with? Do you remember what was taught as well? The, the the first seminar that I ever did was like it was a week after I'd started with Jason, and it was the Andy Ryan seminar at Jason's gym in Derry. Um, so like my first class was a half guard seminar, and I remember going into the class and he told somebody like. Got two people out the middle, and he says, "Right, go you in the bottom half, go in the top half." And I was like, "What the? I'm gonna I didn't have a clue what was happening." Uh, and then I went on the live stuff at the end. This was my third class, and all I can remember is getting absolutely smashed. Uh, so I, this, my first seminar memory is not really a good one to be honest. I got absolutely torn. I <laughs> know, oh, man. It's cool. Uh, I remember my first one was with uh, Jake McKenzie, who I had on uh, a few months ago. Uh, I didn't even know it was a seminar. I just thought he was my coach's friend doing a class. So when I was doing the seminar afterwards, one of the guys who handled all the membership was like, oh, Andrew, did you, did you pay for the seminar? I'm like, what seminar? He's like, the one you just fucking went to, bro. <laughs> that was a seminar. Are you, are you stupid or something? <laughs> so I was like, after fuck's sake. <laughs> the, one, the one thing, like usually seminars, are, like this is before fucking COVID hit, usually seminars are really busy. And sometimes, like, I love people correcting me and fixing me. You don't, you don't really get that opportunity so much at seminars. You get great content, but there's no point in uh, having access to great content if you can't get fixed in the position. Um, so sometimes I think classes, I, I get more from classes than I do from seminars. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. A really good seminar I went to was with Lucas Lecce. I went to Royal Grappling Academy today. Now, that was a very good one because he, he went on to the point about what you're on about. When he when he 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 only show like a few moves, but he pick so he pick a few people at random, get them to do the moves on each other to make sure they understood it. And if there was any adjustments to be made, he made them. So instead of giving you a shitload of fucking information, he'd give you a few bit few bits of good information and make sure you fucking retained it. And to this day, I still use some of the stuff he taught me, like when you're in front headlock, flare the under, like say you know you and me in front headlock. Flare the underhook up, sort of raise up, and you can dive down into half guard and start immediately playing. Yeah, that that what Andy Ryan actually did this at the last seminar that we had in Derry, um, where he taught one or two simple techniques. But there was maybe thirty people in the seminar, and then what he did was like he pulled people out in pairs to go through the techniques in front of everyone else. So like he had an opportunity to get corrected in front of everyone, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a fucking test or something. But it, you were definitely getting good attention to detail. And I really like that. But uh, I, the other thing about seminars too, man, I don't know whether I'm just fucking stupid, but I, like, if you're, if I'm taught five things at a seminar, I'm lucky if I remember one fucking thing at the end of the seminar, at the next session. So like, I'm not very good at 
lost information. I would rather learn one thing well than get five things sort of half down. Mm. Now that's why I like when they let you record it, because then you can fucking go back over it. Like I recorded just on a whim. I recorded a seminar with Christian Woodman C. I'm like, I guess I'll record this one, and it was so good. And I'm glad I have everything there. I'm like, this is some good shit. Like this fucking a few sweeps from Delaheve. I'm like, I'll take it. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I bet. Say, uh, oh, here's a good one. This is a new question that I just added, so you'll be the first person to answer it. Is there anything in the BJJ community that you don't like that you would like to change? Is there any just thing that you see that's rampant in the community and just you're like, man, I fucking hate that shit. It's really annoying. I uh, do you know there's something that there's something that does annoy me, and uh, it's like you. I'm sure you've heard the same thing where you're saying you shouldn't use strength. Uh, why? Why should you not use strength? Like if somebody has a really good inverted guard, you don't tell them not to use flexibility. Yeah, and if um, someone's if someone's really quick and they can get around your guard and pass you super quick, you don't tell them not to use speed. So like, um, strength's a physical attribute and it's a physical sport. So like, I, I hear it quite a lot. I, I can understand that um, you might like if you only rely on strength, like you could be taking away your ability to learn something technically proficient. But why can you not be both? Why can you not be technically proficient and strong at the same time? Um, that's a it's a real uh, bug that I sort of I hear people saying it, and I hear like I've heard fucking people competition man, uh, like coaches shouting out to the person on the floor, and it's like oh my god, you're like telling them not to use something that could potentially win the match for them. Uh, mm -hmm. So like uh, I, I don't like hearing it. Uh, I understand that uh, coaches will want somebody to be really technically efficient at a movement, and if you're advising people. They slow down on their strength as they learn the movement. I completely get that, but uh, ne never remove physical attributes from your game. Like uh, on that BJJ fanatics page, um, seen that there was like a a state level wrestler wrote in to um, the BJJ fanatics Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, "Look, I'm a wrestler and new to jiu jitsu. Can people give me some advice?" And like. I would say about 80% of the people were replying and they were saying, you know, we need to drop the intensity from jiu-jitsu or from wrestling, uh, concentrate solely on technique. Uh, your wrestling doesn't transfer well to BJJ. And like, I, I wrote down at the bottom and I probably wasn't very, probably triggered a few people. I was like, man, your wrestling will fucking smash people in BJJ. If your wrestling works, use your fucking wrestling. Yeah. You know, like BJJ in itself hasn't got all the answers to grappling. There's things that can come in from other sports that are really transferable. Um, and you shouldn't be like shitting on them just because it's not a sport. I bet you a lot of the people that were triggered and telling him to slow down are people that get fucking smashed by good wrestlers. Yeah. Like, man, here's my advice to wrestlers. Uh, fucking watch your neck when you're doing double legs so you don't get guillotined. Play a little bit of guards and play a little bit of back. You're sorted. You'll be fine. You know. Just get, get those yeah. positions down a bit because you're already good at the fucking stand-up and the takedowns and the top position, presumably. So, all good. Yeah, like, the, the wrestling transfers well, man. It transfers well to BJJ and it transfers well to MMA as well. Now, like, wrestlers don't typically play off their back, obviously. So, like, and that's the good thing about jiu-jitsu is that you're going to learn, like, different parts of the set. It's all the same sport. Like, it's all the same thing. Grappling's grappling. Uh, mm -hmm. There's... There's points of judo that are very important for grappling, parts of wrestling that are very good, parts of jiu-jitsu, but like 
no one of them, no one of them is any better than the other in, in different situations, and they can all be they can all be put together to make you a more efficient grappler. Mm. Um, like any art done well is better than any art done shit. Yeah, like you wouldn't uh, say to a fucking judo guy who came in to not fucking uh, to just do nogi. You wouldn't say, oh, judo guy, uh, just do nogi. Well, obviously, do nogi so you can get that down. But you just don't just don't be a pussy and roll with the fucking judo guy in the gi. And if you're so fucking yeah. scared of the takedown game, pull guard. Uh, and see, you see, when you're chatting about like bees in my bonnet, you've just sort of mentioned another one. And it sort of like goes on the other side of the scale from telling wrestlers not to be uh, playing with good intensity. Um, when do people shit on guard players for BJ, sport yeah. BJJ? Like if if someone like if someone wins the world championships by pulling guard and choking somebody unconscious in every match, and they've got a gold medal around their neck at the world championships, he doesn't give a fuck if he pulled guard on every game. Sport uh, just is a sport, and you have to follow the sport rule set. Now, I can understand that. Pulling guard doesn't transfer well to things like self-defense and other art and other sports and stuff like that. But within the rule sets of BJJ, pulling guard might win you fucking gold medals. So why would you not encourage people to pull guard? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like obviously, I don't like people just sitting straight to their butts. I think you should have a grip if you're going to pull a guard. I think that's that's fine. You know, I'm all for that. But man, okay, you want to get on top? Like, oh man, I think I'll waste. Five, five minutes trying to take you down and get two points for my troubles, or I could pull guard and sweep you in less than a minute, get points anyway, and I'm on top. Same, same, like, if the same, you get the same points for sweeping somebody as you do for taking them down. You need to be quite tactical and quite strategic about how you play, but if me and you are grouping up now to have a competition match, okay, and we both want to take each other down, and we've got the same technical ability each, we've probably got a 50-50 chance of getting a takedown each, okay? Now, if we bump fist in a competition match and you've got a really good guard in the sweep game, okay, and you want to pull guard and I want to take you down, you've got about a 90-95% chance of getting to your game plan before I get to mine. So why, why would you not do Yeah, I just think these people suck at pa- pa- passing, so fuck them anyway. They, don't, they can't pass the guard. So, yeah, but uh, listen, well, uh, just playing the opposite. I do think that it's important to learn takedowns as well. Obviously, you need takedowns as well because um, I don't care what anybody says. If you're training BJJ, you want to be more proficient if something happens to you outside the club. So mm. you need to learn takedowns. Like, I, I believe that all clubs should be teaching takedowns and people should be trying to get better at them. I'm not saying that they need to put, uh, take someone down in a competition, but I do think that it's important to learn both sides of getting the game to the ground. Because, man, I'll just say this here and now. I've said it before. I suck at wrestling, but I'm good at counter-wrestling. Like, man, my thing when I was in the wrestling class, someone would just fucking double-leg the shit out of me. My shoulders be on the ground for a fraction of a second. I bridge like a motherfucker, and I end up on top. Like, I can count, I can count the shit well. I know, and, you know, I have a good sprawl then to the anaconda choke. So I can deal with wrestlers and wrestling, good, good wrestling shit. Some, you know, good counter in it. But, like, instigating it wouldn't be my thing. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with counter wrestling either. Definitely, if you went to competition, what are you looking to pull then, or what what are you looking to do? If they shoot a double sprawl and a kind of choke, or sorry, Andrew Kanda, and put them to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could take that as well, the Andrew Kanda. I'm gonna start. Come on, don't send me a video. I want to learn that. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, guys, quick aside. It's just front headlock, but instead of locking up the anaconda straight away from the front headlock, keep the gable. 
bump their elbow way easier to slide through and you can shoot it up when you're on your, on your side. It's just that yeah. little twist and that's the Andrukonda. So if we ever do get a roll together, buddy, I'm just going to pull guard on you straight away. <laughs> Fuck you. I never said my passing was bad. It's like way out of you. But it is bad now because I haven't been training, so shut up. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of which, I got some uh, questions for coaches here. So, man, in your opinion, what do you think is like uh, for a day one student, like say it's your first class in a new beginner's group, what's like the first thing you teach people? Yeah. I uh, well, like I, I was talking about concepts, uh, and I think concepts are important. But if I teach somebody a concept on their first night, they're going to go home and say that was shit. I'm not going back again. So, like, I think it's really important that you give somebody something that they're going to want to come back. So, like in jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is known as a submission art. Teach a new person a fucking submission on their first night, so they're yeah. going home and they're they're choking the shit out of their partner and they're fucking loving it anymore. <laughs> I'm taking a beginner's, like I take a fundamentals course, I always make sure that I give them something on the first night um, to get them to come back again. And I, on the first night for a fundamentals class, I always do the same as what I was given on my first day. I was taking, I was uh, entries to the back, so a wee bit more wrestling, duck unders and arm drags to take the back. Uh, maybe if they're proficient enough, I'll teach them a quick back, uh, takedown from a body lock once you have back control. And then all I'm going to do is I'm going to show what back control is. So like, uh, hooks in, seatbelt position, I'm going to teach them a couple of chokes from the back. So like the first one, I always teach a rear naked choke because people see it in MMA all the time and they want to learn it. So I'll teach a rear naked choke and a short choke. I always like to give people that are in the first class something that makes them excited to come back again. I think that that's really important. Mm. Oh, man, first thing we always show people is just uh, the Americana because, you know, like, my fucking shoulder <laughs> you know people are very pissy about that but man i think i think chokes are the way to go but you know because did you ever see like a meathead come in rip someone's sh- shoulder apart with like an americana because that could easily happen but even if it's just yeah. a, a chokes just go to sleep no biggie yeah, yeah. just take a little nap it'll fit it'll, it'll fix my sleep schedule i think i, I think i was taught the americana quite early as well it was one of my first pts not the americana I don't know if you noticed this about, about like key locks and sideways joint locks. Uh, uh, the better you get at jiu-jitsu and the better the people that you're rolling with get. Americanas don't work so well, but Kimuras always work. Kimuras always work. And man, Kimura, yeah. I love Kimura because, you know, bottom side, you can get a good reversal to the back take. It's very, and you know, like fucking Robert Deagle's doing this thing called, what's the fucking thing? Uh, arm saddle, that's it, arm saddle. He's like made a position from like the belly down armbar when you're holding a kimura for like sweeps, transitions to the chokes and shit. It's very good versatile position. So I'm like, shit, that's cool. Kimuras always work. Not to mention hip bump sweep. It's awesome. You can develop you can develop a game from a kimura trap. Like there's a kimura trap system, and you can develop your game from there. John Danaher, uh, probably the best BJJ coach in the world, like according to his results, will say that it doesn't matter the level of the competitors, whether it's white belt right up to black belt. It doesn't matter what level you are. Two things will always show up in any grappling match, and it's a front headlock and a Kimura. Dude, front headlock all the way, man. I get my Anshikanda, because I suck. I suck. I don't like guillotines. I've, arm out guillotines, I'm grand, but arm in guillotines. I, I'm sorry, guys. Arm in guillotines fucking suck. I hate them. They're shit. Arm out ones all the way, though. Definitely. Uh, I don't know like, if you follow YouTube videos. Marcelo Garcia's got some brilliant stuff on uh, guillotines, Marcelo teams. So like, oh dude, he'll... I got his instructional there on BJ Fanatics. 
I got it for yeah. on the cheap because it was discounted and I had a code, so double discount. So I got it on the cheap. I'm like, nice. My guillotines can continue to not improve because I never watch it. Anyway, you're talking about an arm right guillotine. He's always talking about like if you can occupy the space to put your second hand in. So like if you can have your chest or shoulder pressure into their shoulder, so there's no space, you can like just quickly bump out and make space. And that's when you get the second hand. And I actually love uh, Armite guillotines. That would be like a, yeah, would be a go-to. Um, but Marcelo Garcia has got some absolutely brilliant content on YouTube. So like that stuff that you've got, if you get watching it, man, you'll be guillotining the fuck out. Yeah, because man, it's because of Marcelo that my anaconda is actually any good. Because I, when I used to get it in, I used to roll to the wrong side. And then I was like, oh shit, that's how you roll. You don't roll to that fucking side because they can base. And also, yeah. like, I seen like the aerial anaconda where you like fling yourself over and get it in. Like, it's very weird to describe it and show it to people, but the aerial anaconda is fucking just to jump over someone's half guard and you're grand. Think about <laughs> it's fucking... Like, anacondas is one of those punishes that the better you get at them, you'll start seeing them all the time. It's like it's like a darse, like a darse is quite similar to an anaconda as well. Whenever you get people mm. that are the darse chokes, they just seem to see them in the role. They like to show up, and that, that that's the same as like things like uh, front headlocks and kimuras as well. Like you see people catching these things, but they've got this like different sort of. It's almost innate. They see the things happen. They can see it showing up for them. Um, so like that, that's why you sort of see people like most people have got like those finishes. Would you would you agree with that? Most people have those. Mm. And it's just, they see those finishes more. Mm. Like, man, fucking the craziest thing I ever saw, the darts from bottom side control. I'm like, you've, you've intrigued me. Fucking Edwin Najmi does that shit. I'm like, nice one. I'll do that. <laughs> one of my coaches, my MMA coach at the clubs is a guy called Gavin Kelly. He's a professional MMA fighter, fights with cage warriors. Hasn't had a fight now in a couple of years. But, uh, his big jokes of Darce, like he gets a Darce everywhere. And uh, I never forget the first time I rolled a Nogi, Darce me three times in the ring. <laughs> oh man, uh, a quick aside. Did you ever see Charles Oliveira? He has someone in the Anaconda choke. Instead of rolling, he jumps uh, jumps guard on them. So he calls that his Bronx choke. So he has you in the Anaconda and he has you in his guard. I wonder if that's any good. What do you think about that? Because he's weird, weird and lanky. Yeah, it's probably like he's doing it. He's obviously doing it because it works for him. It's obviously tightening up the choke for him. So, and what what that's doing when he goes in the guard too, it's like uh, removing any possibility of an escape as well. I guess. Mm. Plus, in case it fails, he can use it to sweep, and then he'll be a mount. Yeah, definitely. Fair enough. Um, oh. man, just a quick aside. Uh, what would you say your coaching style is predominantly? Featured round, would you say drilling, rolling, or specific sparring? Like, what would you say is the the one you work more in your teaching? We probably, we probably do a wee bit more live stuff than than a lot of clubs, um, because the coaching's conceptual. Uh, people ideas, and then we let them try and develop that through live training. So, like, we do teach techniques, and I, I would always go to my brother-in-law, Jason McCabe. He's the brown belt. We evolve, and like I would say to him, like. We want to teach techniques from this area can we go through some stuff and i'll learn from him and, and then i'll offload it to the class but a lot of live stuff a lot of positional stuff so we'll do a lot of positional sparring we'll maybe teach a we'll maybe teach a technique from side control that will maybe take up 15 or 20 minutes of the class but then we'll start doing positional sparring from side control and usually if we're teaching attacks from side control we'll teach uh 
like rear guards and defenses they control in the same week so that people are getting a chance uh, to experiment with what they're doing what. Because, like, personally speaking, most of the things that I've learned and most of the things that I've learned to dump out of my game have been done through live training. Um, I think it's really important that there's a lot of live training in your uh, in your classes. So most of my coaching today is never going to be a class, not that I can remember what it's like to teach a fucking class anymore, but there's never a class any less than half an hour of live sparring. There'll always be lots of live stuff. Mm, 100%, man. Now, see, I'm big into the sparring, man, because, like, it's real shit. Like, I'm sort of, like, uh, obviously drilling's important, but, like, you know, if you really want to work something, get someone who's worse than you so you can, uh, you know, drill without them knowing, and they're just floppy, flopping, and you just darts the fuck out of them. Okay, that's the new darts entry I'll do. I'll do that five times in this role. <laughs> holidays last summer in Holland and I always go to a, a jiu-jitsu club in Holland that's close to where we holiday um, and uh, they did a class it was a competition class it was a Wednesday night and I fucking loved the concept it was 41 minute rounds with no rest so in that one minute round you had one minute to try and sub the person from a position and it just moved straight to the next minute it was 40 minutes straight rolling so like after every second minute you switch partners so the coach would have called out a really good black belt coach he was too, absolute killer. He would call it a move. So, like, say me and you are paired first, they'll say, like, back control, uh, no hooks. So, like, we'll get in the position, I'll get my seatbelt, no hooks, and boom. I've got one minute to try and sub you, it just goes live. And then at the end of the minute, it's just switch. And then you take the same back control on me, no hooks in, go. And at the start of, and then after the second minute, we switch partners straight to someone else, uh, a new move is called. So, and it's always, it's never, uh, like, settled positions. It might be, um, knee on belly, no grips. So like it's half a position sort of thing, if that makes sense. And it was just boom, mm. boom, boom, 40 minutes. And see, by the end of the 40 minutes, you're absolutely fucked. And you're, like it's because you've got a short time to try and finish the match. He's saying, always imagine you're uh, out of sight on the points. You're maybe 10 points down. You're not going to win this match through points. You need to try and sub the person from there. Go, go, go. So like I remember coming back. I remember coming back from Poland. And I introduced a new class on a Wednesday night at the club. And it was just around that sort of concept. Uh, it, was just, it was a competition class. But uh, and it, what I found is that it really got you thinking about uh, certain positions. And whenever you're attacking from a certain position, the next minute you're defending from the same position, you're starting to get a real all-round understanding. And I, personally, and I know this to be a fact for a lot of people, you learn through live training. Like the things that you learn in your drilling, you know whether it's going to work for you or not through live training. Because I don't believe some things that just don't work for people or don't work as well. And it could be for any reason, like body mechanics and stuff like that. Like I've got a, I, I know that people say, oh, if you angle better, you'll, you'll always get a triangle. I've got dwarf legs. I've got really short legs. Triangles just don't work. <laughs> I, mean, I haven't triangled someone in donkey years. The last guy I triangled is like fucking 50 years old. And like barely trained, so I'm like, yeah, uh, that's the only people I can triangle. But I'm a platter. I love all my platters. Who doesn't? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It, it it works better for us with the the stumpy leg syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know the diamond setup for your triangle where you're just crossing your feet with a one and one out. I fucking struggle to get that. My legs are so short. Oh man, you know it's great. No one ever sees us coming. Everyone shits a brick whenever I do this. You have the diamond guard, right? You have the head and arm. 
instead of going for the triangle, go for the Kimura. They're like, holy shit, like man, in competition, I pull, I was in the absolute division, I was fighting this heavier dude. I sort of swept him, but then he recovered back into the guard. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And then I put him into that, the head and arm. And his coach was screaming, watch for the triangle, watch for the triangle. I go for the Kimura. And he's in the middle of saying, watch for the try. Oh, Kimura, 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 watch for Kimura. And he's fucking shitting a brick. <laughs> he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Just to hear that. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. The triangle set up, the Kimura's always there. But uh, it's quite frustrating because... Maybe you maybe you've just got this in in your uh, brain now, but I fucking forget that during the round if I get somebody in a in a triangle setup, it's like I know when I'm talking to you now that the, the camera is always there and their arms always free, but I've never fucking it never comes to me during the round. <laughs> uh, well, that's that probably means your triangle is good, but get this, this is sort of a double edged sword in my my opinion because I have a lot of knowledge from certain positions, but like I'm not great at any one thing. Like say I go for the pendulum sweep. It's a bad pendulum sweep, but the arm bar is there. I get the arm bar. Oh, the arm bar doesn't work. I can sweep them to the spider web. Like, okay, cool. You know, most people just get the pendulum sweep right and then be in mount. But not me. I, I failed three things and then finished the last thing. It's like a double-edged sword, in my opinion. You know, you have a lot of transitions, but like your execution-wise is a bit shit sometimes. I don't know. I think everybody's got that with different movements. Hmm. I you know. It's just the way I am. Okay, so Andy, we've reached a segment of the podcast I like to call Around the Specifics. It's just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, do you want to Around the Specifics, bro? Let's go for it. Man, one of these days, someone's going to say no, and I'll have no idea what to do. <laughs> Man, what would you say? What would you say is your favorite gi in your collection? Favorite gi? Yeah. I uh, but- Bought a King's Lightweight gi for the World Masters two years ago in Las Vegas, and I still try to wear it as much as I can. It's my favorite. Ah, <laughs> oh, Boo Kings. Tatami for life. Tatami. Love Tatami. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I got fucking Tatami art on my fucking wall that I bought on yeah. the website before they before got rid of that shit. So, man, uh, not sponsored, by the way. Wish I was. You should be sending this podcast to Tatami, and he may send you a gi. <laughs> well, like, you know, I could just fucking kiss their ass in every episode and they just sponsor the podcast. I, I, I'd like that. <laughs> oh, man. Is there any movie, in your opinion, that's very underrated, doesn't get its love and respect? What would you say? Any, any move? Movie, like a film. Man, I don't fucking watch TV, so... I, I started watching Netflix with a wife in the evenings during lockdowns, but I don't watch movies, man. I don't watch movies, so they're probably all underrated. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite TV show when you were growing up? You obviously watched TV when you were kids. Come on. (laughs) Say what? Friends. I love Friends. I still watch it now. Like, uh, if I I get a free half hour, I'll stick on a Friends episode. I'm growing up. Friends is definitely my favorite program. You're probably fucking too young to remember that. I, of course I remember it, man. Do you, think I, I, do you think I haven't been bored on Comedy Central at four in the afternoon and there's nothing but friends on? I've seen, like, every fucking episode, man. And I have some on VHS because I grew up in VHS for some reason. Because we still have one. So I'm like, fuck DVDs. I want these rectangles. I, I was watching Friends the other night and I was, like, bored as well. And I went on Google and I started, like, Googling the ages of the, the people in Friends. Man, they're all in their fucking mid-50s now. It's scary. Jesus Christ. 
Like, man, uh, do you know what's funny? Do you ever, like, uh, do, you know what, do you ever play a game called, like, Fallout? Your man Chandler from Friends is the bad guy in, like, one of the Fallout games. I'm like, man, he sticks out like a sore thumb because everyone else sounds to have a gritty voice and you just hear Chandler from Friends saying, uh, uh, the game was rigged from the start. Fuck you. Uh, fuck you, dude. I shot you in the face. You know, it's, it sticks out a lot. I'm like, bruh, really? Really? Say <laughs> <laughs> so what? Timeless comedy, Friends is a really good show. Like, like, you could watch an episode five times and you'll still be pissing your bags at the same gags every every episode's class. I love that. Man, I miss Marcel the monkey. Where is he? Yeah, I'm sure he's dead by now. Or Smelly Cat. What the hell, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't quit. Uh, what would you say is your most embarrassing injury, whether it be jiu-jitsu injury, non-jiu-jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was just so fucking embarrassing. Man, I, I don't... I can't remember an embarrassing injury, but I fucking fart a lot during rings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I don't know if this one's going to be watching the podcast, but quite rec- like recently enough, this was not during lockdowns. Um, I was rolling with her, and uh, I tried to, like, it was a real embarrassing position as well, and I just did this big, loud fight. <laughs> uh, was it in North-South? No, it wasn't our size. No, it wasn't our size. <laughs> I think you'd kill someone if you did that. He was actually inside, inside my garden, stand out of my clothes guard, and she got fucking farted on, man. <laughs> like, that's worse than an injury. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, if we're rolling, I'll just put Nia Belly on you and make you fart. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> oh, man, like... Uh... <laughs> I can't get over that. Man, what was your first video game console? What was your favorite game on it if you played games back in the day? Like, yeah, the, um, like the Atari 2600, I'm guessing? Mr. Uh, Magoo? Not like the fucking Hedgehog, man. That was the game. Sega. <laughs> Say what? Sega, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, again, oh, dude. Way- oh, dude. That's some good shit. Like, man, those early Sonic games were really good. They're really fucking decent. But the modern ones are fucking shit. They're re- if you like, do yourself a favor. Don't don't play any of the new Sonic games because they're shit. But the old ones are pretty good. What age are you? I'm uh, 21. I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog five years before you were born. Yeah, thanks for bragging, brah. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, back in my day, fucking you know, before that humanity fella existed, there was a good Sonic game. So what the fuck happened? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, was it? Uh, have you ever been on a really terrible date? Man, have you seen this face? I never got dates. <laughs> I never got dates. <laughs> have you seen this face? This face never gets dated. Uh, man, what's the deal? Both of us are called Andy. Our faces are messed up and we never get dates. So we both do jiu-jitsu. So what the fuck? Is this like a, a future past sort of affair? Uh, listen, if I, after we finish this podcast, I'll give you some life advice and rules that you won't go down, uh, and you'll be fine. You'll get dates. <laughs> well, man, uh, no one wants to go out now because of the Rona. <laughs> man, like, I've been on dating sites for ages, and all the women are fucked. I noticed that women, not to generalize, a lot of women are especially paro about the Rona, not, not to generalize. While I, I, I say a broad generalization. I've actually wondered about this. Like, I've wondered, are people, like, and then around your age, are they seeing each other like on the QT or are, are most people like 
following the rules. I, like, because I know that if it was my age, I'd be out sniffing. Uh, and I always wondered if, I always wonder if, like, people are meeting up now or if it's just not happening. Mm. Or, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, so shit at chatting people up that their excuse is, oh, yeah, I'm scared of the Rona. Maybe that's just their excuse so they don't have to talk to me anymore. <laughs> that's probably it, all things considered. Awesome. <laughs> like, buying have things like Tinder. Like, we had to actually buy a girl a drink and talk to her and stuff. So, like, if the Rona was happening back in my day, it would be hard to chat up birds. But nowadays, when everything's done through Tinder and stuff like that, I would imagine that people are still meeting up because yeah. they're still me- 100% like are you supposed to not have a social life or a love life or anything for the next fucking two years or some shit are you supposed to not get your beak wet for two years get the fuck out of here yeah, I think <laughs> this is, I was actually chatting to somebody about this yesterday uh, I think that if people were actually honest about what they were doing during this pandemic we'd probably be out of it because people would just know that shit's as normal like uh I know so many people that are in their private lives are like doing nothing to follow the regulations, but in their public lives are telling people to follow the regulations. And if everybody was just honest about it, I think that we would have moved on past Yeah, man, like you saying, if you want to fucking follow the regulations and be be a good little boy, do it. And you know, then if you want to post about it, fine. If you want to post how virtuous you are, at least you're then then you're not a hypocrite. Cause like whatever about Oh, I'm saying I'm following the rules, but I'm not. Or I'm saying I'm not, but I am. You're fucking, you're a hypocrite. But if you want to, if you're blatantly saying I'm not following the rules, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, fuck this shit, you know, and you're doing it, fine. At least you're being honest. At least you're not being a fucking, you know, an asshole or a hypocrite or a liar. See what you just said there, your last example. Go and have a look through my Instagram, man. All those rolling pictures are happening now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. (laughs) I've never been dishonest about what I'm doing. Uh, Man, I'm living my life as normal as I can. I've got two young children. I see their granny, and their granny wants to see them. Their granny wants to see them. So I'm going to make make an informed decision through that, and if somebody wants to call that irresponsible, that's up to them. Now, if I thought that my kids seeing my granny was going to kill their granny, then I wouldn't fucking do it. Yeah. Like, obviously, you don't want your granny to die because you obviously love her. But, like, you know, we all know what the shka is. And, you know, your grandma's still alive. So, you know, what does that say? Yeah, I think so. so like, I, know, I know we're getting all serious now and a fun part of the podcast. But there's, nah, fucking, there's people in care homes that are in their last years of life, maybe two or three years left. Uh, a lot of those people have fucking seen nobody for the last year, man. That's sad. Yeah, man. Like, okay, they're, you're you're not letting anyone in, so they won't die of their own. But they're going to die of despair and misery soon anyway. They're going to die alone. They're not going to see their family. They're never going to get to say goodbye. And it'll still be put down as coronavirus anyway. Yeah. So, you know, nobody's winning in this situation. The fucking young people aren't allowed to live their lives. People who have families aren't allowed to provide for their families. People who have elderly parents aren't allowed to see their parents if they're in care homes or even if they're allowed to live by themselves you're not allowed to go see them because they're paro and people in the old people in the care homes are just sitting there stewing being miserable they're not allowed to see their families they're not allowed to have the slight bit of comforts that they usually be allowed to have i know it's not all sunshine and rainbows in a nursing home anyway it fucking sucks but you know at least before it was it was a bit better but now this is all just shit and they're 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 obviously they're always there sitting watching the news and what is the news telling them 
The news is telling them you're going to die if you see your family. So that's just making them more miserable. They're going to die in despair and misery. And everyone's everyone's fucked up. Sorry to get sad. See, see the virtue signalers that are saying, if you do this, you're going to kill your granny. You're going to kill the elderly people. Go and talk to the elderly people and see what they want. Because they don't want this situation. They want to be seeing people. Like anybody yeah. that I spoke to wants the lockdowns to end of that generation. And I speak to a lot of people. Yeah, man, like, oh, God. Man, this whole situation is just retarded. Sorry, sorry if the R word is a bit uh, faux pas, but this situation is retarded. And, man, I was going to say something there, but I forgot. Fuck me. You know, that's always- something really funny. Say what? I always take conversations back to the inspiration. Like, man, you know, everyone's miserable. All this shit sucks. And, uh, Oh, that's one more thing. The virtue signalers, fuck them. Quickest, you know, last thing I'll say, fuck the virtue signalers. Oh, no, I remember what I was going to say now, sorry. The snitches, people snitching on each other because, oh, he has people over or he has a secret jiu-jitsu gym or fucking, uh, he had a piss up with his boyos or this and that. Fuck you. All you pieces of shit fucking snitching on people for living their lives. How about you social distance yourself away to fucking care home yourself and go to the mental ward, you fucking waste of space. Jesus, man, I hate snitches. See the thing about snitching that, that gets me, right? Um, people are snitching on their neighbours, okay? And they're snitching on their local community. See, this time next year when this thing's all passed, the people that are telling you to snitch, the political leaders, right? So the person who snitched, if they're at the side of the road by a flat tire, who's most likely to stop and help that person? Their neighbor or the politician that's telling them to do it. It's their fucking neighbor. So don't burn that bridge. Yeah. Like, man, say if I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and one of my neighbors went and snitched on me, believe you me, there's not a lot of people around here. There's not a lot of neighbors around this where I live. You don't want to burn those bridges because, believe you me, it, it's, you know, it's not going to be good. Not to be all uh, vaudevillian or something, but, you know, if you don't have many neighbors, why would you burn the bridges with, like, the only one that you have? It's fucking stupid. I'm quite, I'm, quite, I'm quite lucky where I live. I live in, like, a small rural area where everybody's really tight. Uh, and, like, we all get on. We all know, like, it's not very common nowadays in, like, towns and stuff that you'll know your neighbor's name. Uh, and we all know each other quite well. And we're pretty tight. So I'm really lucky that, that we don't have that, what we're talking about, where I live. But it would, be, it would make me fucking sad, man. My neighbors were snitching on me. I wouldn't like that at all. Sure, man. You remember back in the day of the Soviet Union where you had children snitching on their own parents about, oh, he said something bad about Comrade Stalin. So he sent his parents, he, he snitched on his parents. His parents got sent off to the fucking gulag and his parents got fucking, and his parents were dead. Because why, why would you snitch on your own parents? It's going gonna, it's gonna to go to that eventually. Just watch, watch it. Watch, believe you, me. Mad. It's fucked up, bro. Yeah. Man, on a lighter note, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? And mind you, you don't have to stay. Well, you don't have to stay there. You can come back if you want, whenever you want. I would love to go back to the time man, that the Vikings were invading England. I think that's such a fucking longboats, and they were like just chopping heads off and taking all the hot women back in the longboats. <laughs> 
I mean, oh, sorry. That's just gonna annoy me again. About um, could you imagine if like the Vikings saw their fucking descendants uh wearing masks and social distancing and being weak pieces of shit? They'd be they'd be fucking ashamed. Like, yeah, how about we rape and pillage again and get it right this time? Um, but I am saying that they're fucking pretty brutal. So like, I wouldn't like to stay there for too long, but I would like to see it for a bit mm. and get out of there. Yeah. But, uh, like, so civilization's good, but there's a lot of things about civilization that's just fucked up too, man. Like that, that don't work. Like uh, the D D, uh, like there's almost like an attempt nowadays to create some sort of hybrid gender where masculinity's uh, trodden upon now. It's not like it's seen as a negative thing, same as femininity. Um, we're in weird times. Like I'd love to go back to times where it's okay to be a man and it was okay to be a woman, and it's okay to be whatever you want. But you don't get uh, you don't get shit for celebrating things like masculinity. I think that that's a really strange thing about what's happening in like a modern civilized world. It's a bit weird. Mm. And man, like just the biggest irony of all this shit. You see all these fucking radical feminists complaining, oh, saying men are evil, men are scum, men are trash. Bitch, you wouldn't exist if it wasn't for men. So shut your fucking face. If you want to say, yeah, I don't think you know. You want to say that particular man there is a piece of shit. Okay, if he's a piece of shit, fuck him. Or that particular and. Just, ah, oh man, this podcast, I'm really going apeshit today, man, like, uh, you know, these, these very same people, like, like, there's something I've noticed lately, they, people, they treat women like they're children, so, like, say a woman does something fucked up, like, ah, oh, you know, uh, she's a woman, you know, what about equality, like, you know, say, like, sure, this fucking, uh, this bitch back in, in England there, she, like, stabbed her boyfriend with a bread knife, and, uh, because she was in college, and she had, like, uh, uh, what's it? Um, what's a, a promising career? That's it. A promising career. The judge like gave her like a few months probation or something. She didn't even go to prison for stabbing a person. If the shoe was on the other foot, it wouldn't be going like that. Even no matter who had a promising career, believe you me. Yeah, no, like just some things are so weird at the moment, man. You didn't see the story about, uh, and it's like they, like I accept all. Uh, anybody, anything that anybody wants to be is fine by me. I'm okay with that. No problem whatsoever. Um, but you, you didn't see the, I was doing the rounds on Facebook uh, where it was like, there uh, was a man and is now a woman fighting professional MMA. And uh, man, she's, she's fucking people up. Like she's breaking their faces. She's going to kill someone. Dude, breaking their skulls. Like she's, and they're, they're calling it stunning and brave. Man, if I went to Altrani and fought a bunch of fucking 50 kg women in the absolute division and broke them up. Am I standing brave? No, I'm a fucking piece of shit and I'm fighting someone who isn't as good as me. Like, you're fighting someone I, who isn't as strong and it's, it's fucked up. Like, if I beat I up a child, am I standing brave? No. I completely understand that, that people feel that they're in the wrong bodies and I am all for people being what they want to be. We've got one chance at life, so I am all for. Uh, like, I'm definitely not anti transgender, but there's definitely an issue in things like sport where people can get really badly fucked up and especially in combat sport um and i, I guess i probably like moved away from the point there a wee bit but uh like toxic masculinity is bullshit and it's wrong but masculinity is not toxic masculinity and like masculinity is now seen as a negative word and that's just bullshit man it's bullshit yeah man like these very same people like you know there's certain men that are toxic and they're fucking pricks but uh that's that you don't turn fetter everyone with that shit 
they never ever talk about toxic femininity femininity because there's plenty of shit that women do that's fucked up and it's really messed up and they they get a free pass in it like you know there's a lot yeah. of fucked up shit they do but no <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't call out a woman because uh what you ever hear of equality no fuck that <laughs> what the fuck like that's a really strange like i i don't know like i and there just seems to be moves to try and like blend the ages and create a hybrid human. And wait, what what does work? That's why humans have survived for so long as a species. Stop trying to fucking. Nah, I, you know, I just think lots of people they want to look for something to champion because they're fucking bored. Especially now today, if anything kicks up, people go so get so pissy. And they fucking, uh, you know, because there's nothing to do now. So if there's any ideological bullshit they can do, that's what they can, you know, because you're not really, if you criticize them, mind you, you're not criticizing their ideology. You're criticizing their new hobby. So that, that's why they don't, they don't fucking listen most of the time. It's not because of ideological grounds, because like, oh, no, I need something to do. He's questioning the way I spend my time now. Fuck him. You know. Yeah. I'm, listen, man, I'm, all for, I'm all for people being what they want to be, like. 100% for that, but if my daughter is wants to be an MMA fighter, okay, and like she's getting into a cage with somebody who was a man two years ago, then I'm not, I'm not going to be happy about that. Nah, that's fucked up, bro. Yeah, and man, you know, there's a they, and man, they try and say there's no clear, obvious advantage, there's very clear, obvious advantage, fucking bone structure and muscle mass and shit, and testosterone. She might, yeah, as, well well, just, you, she might, might, might as well just fight a man, a regular man. Yeah, you can change your. I know that you can change your hormonal balance and stuff. So, like, that you've got the estrogen, and as you say, man, you're born with a skeletal system that's uh, relevant to your gender when you're born. And if you're born a man, you have a different skeletal makeup. It's simple. Like, that's not. That's you can't argue against that. It's just fact. No, man. Oh no, that's an offensive fact. So, uh, you're about to get cancelled. Oh my god, fucking. These people, oh man! A uh, quick aside to get back on track, man. Uh, in your professional opinion, do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache? No, definitely not, man. My my uh, my stubble's bullshit. It's really bad. Forty year, nearly forty years old, and I've got shit stubble. <laughs> oh fuck's sake! <laughs> and uh, we got a bit of a sorry, we got a bit of a moral conundrum here. If you're up for it, bit of a moral conundrum. So, would you if you uh, would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> when I said this segment was fun, I was kind of lying. <laughs> uh, well, like one and two people, one and two people get cancer, isn't that right? Is that is that right? One and two. I think so. I I don't know. Uh, cure cancer, I think. My my mother and sister both had cancer. Oh shit, son! Uh, you know nothing wrong with that choice, bro. Hundred percent. Whenever someone picks the hungry kids one, I always say maybe one of the hungry kids will grow up to cure cancer, so you get a two for one deal. <laughs> I always say that jokingly, jokingly to them. And then, uh, okay. So, Good question. Uh, uh, well, thanks for being honest, bro. Man, uh, how about this? What would you say is your jiu-jitsu spirit animal if you have one? Like, what sort of animal does your game embody? 
Like, are you, do you tear people apart like a fucking gorilla or some shit? I would, like, I, would like, I would like to tear people apart, but man, I'm 64 kgs. Can't do that shit. Probably a wee honey badger. <laughs> Dude, honey badgers are fucking indestructible. Man, if you shoot one with a shotgun or relatively close, it won't hurt. Machetes won't pierce their fucking skin. You gotta fucking, you gotta go crazy on honey badgers. They're fucked up. Oh, would you be? Well, man, you already know. It's a human Z. Man, because smashy smash passes and stuff. And then when, because my fucking, I have big arms. And then when I get you into jokes, squeeze the fuck. Especially with the Darces. I kill people with that. Love them. You'll not see this, but I've got a black eye. From socially distanced yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Did someone with two meter long legs kick you in the face? Um, listen, man, I uh, I shouldn't be saying it, but I had uh, some MMA range yesterday with a 17 year old and he fucked me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Andy, we've reached the last question. Are you ready for the last question? I just added this question in and it's the new last question. So you'll be the first one to answer this one as well. So. Huge honor for you. <laughs> okay, so are you ready? If you created a guard, whatever guard, like you don't have to go into the details of what it'll be, what would you call it? If you created a guard, what would you name it? My name's shit name for naming moves like. Andy Chapman doesn't work for like there's nothing in that that will work. How about how, how about a chappy guard? A chappy guard, maybe that sounds like sounds like a shit guard, man. I think it would get past really easy. <laughs> or uh, fucking. Uh, or no, I Do you have any nicknames we can uh, work something with that? They're all, they're all stuff like wanker, ball bag. That's all my nicknames. Ball bag guard? Nah, that's not good. Um. I love the like. Do you know the like the names that Eddie Bravo gives the the positions? And, like I love those sort of names. Like, oh yeah, dude, like the fucking rubber guard, the fucking lockdown. That's the only lockdown I want to be in. Eddie Bravo's lockdown or the chill dog, stock, Mission Patrol, Jersey, New York. I've I've been looking into it lately. <laughs> looking into it lately. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Uh, like, Meet me Eddie Bravo someday, we'll get stoned and then I'll come back to you. Dude, do mission control, bruh. I know. Mine's pretty basic. Probably just humanity guard or dipshit guard, retard guard, maybe. I don't know. What is your favorite guard? Uh, that's tough. Uh, I'm big into half guard lately. Been playing a little bit of rubber guard. and But all time, it's either lasso or lapel guards. Like a worm guard specifically. Because, man, whenever we're in the gym, I just annoy the fuck out of people with lapels. And then when we're in Nogi, I'm getting smashed. One of the guys looking at me getting smashed, like, just grab his lapel. <laughs> Nogi. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I, I, I just prefer Gi. Yeah, oh, I would prefer Gi as well. But you, ha you really have to train both, don't you? Because, like, if you just concentrate on your Gi and then you suddenly do Nogi, like, go, your hands don't know what to do anymore. So, like... It's important to train both. Mm. Now, that's why some guys, they just train in gi with no gi grips. Like, they don't grab your collar. Like, they'll just get overhooks and underhooks, body locks and shit. That's good. So your game is transferable. But, you know, my game is relatively the same, except for lapel and lasso. But that's, like, the only variance I use with my games. You know, I still have leg locks, my fucking androcondas and stuff, and my 
Poxy takedowns. <laughs> okay, so guys, I think we're going to call it an episode right there. It's a decent, decent lengthage one. So guys, thanks for listening. If you want to follow Andy on anything, it's at Andy Chapman 84 is it? Or what's the deal? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, follow Rhino Rants. All the stuff will be in the description anyway, guys. You can just click the link. So, Andy, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? Thank you so much for having me on, man. It was really cool to come on and like get a get a bit of a rant about like coronavirus and stuff like that. There, get it out of my system. So now I can have a nice afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> out of your system. <laughs> okay, so guys, thanks, so guys. For thanks for listening to the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. There was a lot of fucking uh, scheduling conflicts, so it took me a bit to get this one out terribly sorry but it'll be worth it so like i said if you want to follow andy on any of his accounts it's at andy chapman 84 and at rhino rents but anyway they'll be in the description anyway in case i said the wrong handle for some reason but one hand some handles i do know how to say are if you want to follow me sean con or a podcast it's at humanity jitsu at shawnee judo jits at con gracie and of course at humanity jitsu podcast thanks for listening guys hope you enjoyed stay good